Thank you, choir and Carson and Jean. Before we hear God's word read to us, we take a moment to stop and pray that God would open our ears and our hearts to hear the good word that God has for us today. Let's pray together. God of life, we thank you for the gift of your word, which teaches us things like loving our neighbor and loving you. We pray that as we hear your word read today, that your spirit would open our hearts to receive the good news that you have for us. That we wouldn't just hear a story lost in time, but good news for us today. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. readings from Jeremiah chapter 31 uh, verses 31 through 36. The days are surely coming says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant that they broke though I was their husband says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their, on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order were ever to cease from my presence, says the Lord, then also would the offspring of Israel then also the offspring of Israel would cease to be a nation before me forever. So that passage we just heard was from the prophet Jeremiah, who's somebody who lived during the times of the Old Testament which is during like the, that, that much, the first part of this book, right? And he's talking about um, a message from God where God's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change up how things are done. No longer is it just gonna be about following rules that are written on tablets, but I'm gonna write some laws on my people's hearts and they're gonna be able to follow me throughout their life and each of their days and they will be faithful people. And so that that kind of vision that Jeremiah had comes many, many years before Jesus. And what Jesus, God is talking about from Jeremiah kind of um, comes and is fulfilled and is made real by Jesus in his life and what he teaches and what he shows and in his dying and rising. And we heard about that dying and rising last week. And as uh, Sandy said during our children's message, 
we come to this passage at the very end of, of the book of Matthew. We've been following Matthew for many weeks now, um, since, since Christmas, really. And we've been going through this book, and just last week we followed the women to the tomb, the women who were expecting um, Jesus' body to be there and a stone to be in front of the tomb. And what they found instead was something miraculous and something incredible, that Jesus wasn't there and that an angel was telling them that he is risen and has gone on before them to Galilee. We followed the women as they um, ran off to Galilee to tell this news, and as Jesus met them, he met them and spoke a word saying, peace to you, greetings. And at that point, he, he then instructed them to tell his um, these women to go and find the others, the very close circle of followers, the 11 disciples, so that they might then go to Galilee, to the mountain where they would meet him. So that's where we come into this story here today in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Let's listen for the word of the Lord. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I just wanted to, to go through this passage. And what's actually funny is that this passage that kind of centers around baptism, uh, Pastor Stacy and I kind of like chose many, many, many months ago before we even knew about Hadley, who's coming here to be baptized today. So a really, really cool thing, how it all works out and weaves together kind of God weaving that together by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I want to go through this passage to kind of illumine some things that might be helpful for our understanding it and what's going on. So it starts out, and it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. How many people here have uh, hiked the mountain? Okay, okay, wonderful. So, what did, you, what did you think? What were you seeing? What did you experience when you did that? You know, uh, one of the first mountains that I hiked was actually here in upstate New York, Cascade and Porter. And my friends took me up to that bald face of, of Cascade. And it was beautiful because it looks over that huge valley, uh, looking onto Lake Placid and I think even Keene. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Who knows? But so wonderful and beautiful. And I had this deep sense of, of awe and wonder and majesty and beauty and this sense that I was so small coming up against this thing that was so great. And I don't know what your experience is about mountains, but I think mountains can, can provide this experience and has been providing this experience to humans for many, many ages. And it provides this, this way in which we can maybe begin to grasp, not fully, but the, the beauty and the wonder and the awe and the majesty and the, the largeness of God when we come up against something so big. It's been happening for so many years, and indeed, 
this experience happened time and time again throughout this book here. In the Old Testament, in the very beginning, in Exodus, we kind of heard about it today in that passage from Jeremiah where God, where Jeremiah said uh, that God brought them out of the land of Egypt, right? It's that story of God rescuing the people from Egypt, from this person, Pharaoh, who's reigning it over them, um, being this horrible dictator. God brings them out, and he, God brings them to a mountain. And at that mountain, at this thin space where heaven and earth meet, God said something to them. God gave them a revelation, uh, a word that was new and formative. God said, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to look after you. And I want you to live in a specific way so that all the other people in the world come to know how good and just and gracious and wonderful and beautiful that I am. God chooses to, to show who God is through people, through a nation, and reveals that at that mountain. God, time and time again, brings people throughout this book of the Old Testament up to the mountain to remind them of that. And it's one of the first things that Jesus does in the Gospel of Matthew. Have you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus brings the people up to the mountain and at that place says, I'm doing something to remind you that I am your God and I am with you and I'm committed to you and I want you to live in a specific way so that all people of this world come to know that I am good and just and beautiful. And so here we find ourselves again at a mountain where Jesus is about to do something really important and invite his people into something that's wonderful and beautiful. And it says that this mountain was in Galilee. Now, it was originally called Galilee of the Gentiles, which Galilee means district and Gentiles means of the nations. So it's really district of the nations. This was a town that was in the very northern section of, of the town or the uh, country of Judea. Um, and it was something that was kind of like the backwater place of the area in that town. I mean, if you were expecting God to really do something and shake up masses and reveal something great, it would have probably been at that time in Jerusalem, in the holy city, right? But again and again, that's not how God works. Like in the beginning of Matthew when God shows up in the cattle stall and Jesus is worshipped while laying on a bed of straw, worshipped by the lowly people, here at the end, Jesus chooses to go to Galilee, the place of the nations, this melting pot in the backwaters of that city and town. It'd be like Jesus said, hey, Hey, guys, well, we'd expect Jesus to go like, hey, meet me in, in something like Washington, D.C. or New York City or L.A., right? But instead, Jesus is like, no, no, meet me in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> meet me, meet me in, in Troy, New York. Meet me in, in Oakland, California or Baltimore. We'd be like, huh? these places that don't strike us as being the most wonderful and majestic, but that's not how God works. God chooses the lowly places and the common places to meet us. And I think this is important for us today. And hold on to that thought, that God meets us in the common and even the broken places. Because I want to connect it to this next verse, which says in verse 17, 
when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, I remind you, these are the disciples, these disciples, the 11 that have followed him all the way and had learned all the things that they were supposed to, when they saw the, him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Back up three days. Jesus, betrayed, handed over, dies. Jesus, after dying, put into a tomb. Jesus, after three days, rises from the dead and is no longer there but goes ahead. I mean, they saw him die. <laughs> and here he pops up in front of them in their midst, greeting them with a word of peace. And some worshipped, and yet some doubted. Some were glad and wonderful and getting it and seeing it and everything. And then some were still not getting it. And they were skeptical. And they were like, ah. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus still shows up to those who doubted as well as those who were there to worship and who knew and saw the significance of the moment. And we might laugh at the disciples, thinking that they're thick and hard-headed, but actually, I think this is actually a word for, of grace for us. A word of grace for when we look around us wherever we might be and find ourselves, our hometowns or our common places of work or school. And also, if we, if we draw a circle of reflection uh, around ourselves and within our own lives and our own kind of wrestling about God. And I think this passage is a word of grace because it shows us that God meets us right where we're at, and that God, God really loves and cares for the broken places of this world or the common places of our lives. And not only that, God meets us and cares for us when we are on a spiritual high and we figured it out, we think we got it, and we, we're getting things right and we're in an experience of season of growth or if we haven't even gotten onto the path of following Jesus, even if we still are skeptical, and even if we have questions and are still trying to figure it all out, God meets us there. Kind of like Pastor Stacy said in our welcome this morning, that God meets us wherever we're at, meets you wherever you're at this morning, and invites you, not, not compelling you, but invites you into something really wonderful and beautiful. And that something really wonderful and beautiful comes in, in verse 18, 19, and 20. When Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. When Jesus meets people at the mountain, he's meeting them in order to, to invite them into the thing that he's been doing for many years. Can you imagine working on a project at work or at school and being partially way done and then handing it off for somebody to finish? <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of like a little controlling. I might want to see things go how they should. And so the amazing thing is Jesus hands this off to these people who both worship, who get it, and who doubt, who are skeptical. And that's the beauty of this story, that Jesus gives us the, the very ministry that he wants us, that he's been doing, to carry out in the world. In order to do what? In order to do what? 
There's so much that's said in this passage, but, but what I kind of want to boil it down to is baptism. Jesus is inviting each of us to, to know deeply what God is saying to us and promising to us through baptism. So, one of the things that we celebrate here, which we'll celebrate today, is baptism, one of the two sacraments we have. Um, and I often talk about sacraments in this way, that, that they are the, the visible ways in which we see God's invisible love. So if, if I were uh, wanting to show my sister that I, that I loved her and I really appreciated her, um, I might show that invisible thing by giving her a hug when I see her or when I, I'm leaving or whatever. And that is similar to the way in which God gives us these sacraments, this baptism here, because God's intangible, invisible love is shown to us in baptism because baptism is God's embrace of us. In baptism, um, there is a word about belonging. There's a word about forgiveness. There's a word about transformation. There's a word about eternity. And I bring this up because each of us wrestle with these big concepts at some point, right? We think about belonging, we think about, okay, who's my family and who's my friends and where do I fit in and, and is, the, is the community that I'm a part of truly a community that I wanna be about? Is it pursuing goodness and justice and beauty and truth? And sometimes in life, we think about forgiveness and wrestle with it because we've really screwed up and we don't know if that person can forgive us, let alone if maybe we can forgive ourselves. And further, what does it look like to move past those things? The word of transformation, we wonder about, um, you know, like stagnancy in life sometimes when things just become blah, right? And we're searching for something more and hoping it can change and hoping that we can grow or be different. And lastly, we, we encounter and face each of us at some point death and dying and wondering about what's next. And in baptism, God gives us answers for all those problems and wants to shape how we live our life according to those promises. Wanting us to, to know and to hear this, you are my daughter, you are my son, you are my child, and you are welcome in this family, and that will never change. And to be a part of God's family means to be a part of a family that truly pursues and strives after goodness and showing love and justice and mercy and kindness in the world. To be baptized means that you're covered with God's truth that you are forgiven, even when we can't forgive ourselves, even when that person struggles to forgive us, that God forgives us and invites us to move beyond that to experience life. And that, that as I was pouring out the water, that the water that's poured out is a symbol of the Holy Spirit that's poured out upon us to, to lead us in growth and transformation throughout our whole life. And lastly, that, she's ready, she's like, that water's been poured, get me in there. <laughs> 
And I'm not dunking you today. Don't worry. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> don't practice that. Um, and lastly, that, that this is about a symbol of eternity and that we are always a part of God's family and that when we face death, we can have confidence that there is life on the other side. All these promises, not just for us and each person here, but for each person in this world. And lastly, the last, last verse of this um, passage, which is really wonderful, it says, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. That even when we're facing darkness, even when we're facing our own failure, even when we're facing um, the struggles that come up in this life, even when we struggle to share the gospel with others, that God says, I'm with you. I am with you. And I will see you through. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for the word that you speak in baptism, words about belonging and forgiveness and transformation and eternity. And we pray that these words might become real to us and your promises might be spoken to us um, and they become real for each person here. And you would invite us to show that to other people who we meet and whom we know and whom we love. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.